Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio with another amazing episode. So it's been said, you can't manage what you don't measure. And that was uh, said by either Drucker or Deming, and it really doesn't matter who said it, which one of them said it, because it's so important and it's applicable, and that's what exactly uh, we're going to be talking about today. We have Martin Pouton, and he is the marketing manager at Wizu. Now, what is Wizu? Wizu is all about taking surveys, but we're – hey, I just mentioned the S word, survey. Don't get turned off. Another presentation or another show on surveys no this is very interesting because every company large and small needs to get feedback from their customers they need to know exactly what they're they're thinking and this is a phenomenal tool to do it uh, what i love about wizu is that it's interactive and i'll tell you more about that in just a few minutes actually martin will tell you more about that it's interactive it's personalized it's a great way to get information uh, a more personalized to the customer's feeling so that they will be more engaging and be willing to give you more information. And part of our show today, we're going to be covering the seven secrets of successful surveys. Seven secrets. Secrets like we don't know them already. Well, maybe we do, but maybe we don't, but it doesn't matter. We're going to give it to you in a format that you'll be able to go back and use. Martin, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hi, Chef. Thanks a lot for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, and you can tell from that accent that he's not from Texas. You're from Darlington <laughs> over in the United Kingdom. Is that right? I am, yes. Yeah, and, and where is Darlington in relationship to London? Um, so we're in the, the northeast, so kind of a, a good few hours away from, from London, tucked away on the, kind of the, the northern part of England. So is it colder and wetter up there? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much cold and wet everywhere in England. But, yeah, we, we probably have it slightly colder and wetter than most. All right. So let's real quick talk to us about Wizu. Tell us a little bit about um, what what the tool is. And I use the word tool. I don't know if that's the right word to describe it. Yeah, you could you could call it a tool. Essentially what Wizu is is it's a chatbot for conversational surveys. So when I say that, it's essentially what we're doing is replacing the traditional online survey form. So the type of surveys you probably get sent every day where it's, you know, a long list of questions. You get kind of an endless supply of kind of rating questions and the kind of surveys that people are a bit sick of. We're trying to create something a bit more engaging, a bit more personalized. So what we do is we take that survey format, we put it into a conversational interface that's a bit more like, you know, your WhatsApp, your Facebook Messenger, the kind of format that people are comfortable with, that they use every day. So we'll ask questions, and then depending on how the respondent answers, the chatbot can react in different ways. It can route to different follow-up questions. So it becomes, you know, much more interactive, much more of a two-way conversation. So you're still gathering some, some good data, some good information, but you're actually making it more enjoyable for the, for the respondent. Does the customer feel like they're communicating with the person or do they know and feel it's a chatbot? So we always present it as, as this is a, this is a chatbot. You know, we're not trying to be, um, pretend to be a human. I think it's important that you don't, you know, you don't lie to the customer. You kind of, you're, you're honest up front and say, this is, you know, I'm a chatbot, but I want to ask you some questions, but your, you know, your feedback is, is really important. And I think that, you know, we've seen people really respond to, to this kind of new approach because quite often, you know, a survey 
can have kind of a bad survey experience can actually damage the whole customer experience. And I think customers have become bored with them. I think a lot of companies are struggling with response rates or getting insight from them. So by using kind of a more conversational interactive survey, it's you know it's, it's really kind of going deeper into the customer experience. And you're getting you know, the customers actually feeling like their their feedbacks important. They're getting that real time acknowledgement. They're getting some different follow questions depending on what they're saying. They're not just getting you know, generic list of questions. It's, I like that. It becomes more personalized, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a list. It go, I mean, it, it, or it's not a list. It may start out as a list, but it branches off based on what customers' responses are. And I think a customer knows that. So uh, very cool. I know that a few months back, I experienced one of your technologies in the form of, a, of an assessment, and it was it was exactly that. It, it would ask me a question uh, in the form of text, and I would answer it. And I don't know if it took me to a different place as a result but uh, you know of my answer, but I think it's pretty cool. It's interactive. Um, and my understanding is, from what you've talked to me about, it's not all that expensive to implement. No, so it essentially runs the, the same as your traditional survey platform. So you get access to, you know, an online portal where you can go in, you can create your own bots. We have, you know, a range of template bots that we've created, a range of template conversations, and, and we can help companies do it. But essentially, you can go in there, create an account, set up your own conversation, send that out to your customers, and straight away start collecting collecting data. So it's, you know, very similar. It's just that it has this, obviously, this new way of approaching it. And what we found is that that leads to, much better kind of completion rates and also a much better level of insight that you're actually getting from the respondents as well. Well, and, and I'm, I'm sure that, and we'll get into it, one of your seven secrets is about how long a survey should be. But let, let's, let's talk about the advantages of a conversational survey. And I think you've kind of given us a, a hint as to what it already is. But uh, is there a list of, of features or actually a list of benefits to having this type of survey versus a traditional uh, let me send you – and by the way, an NPS survey is extremely short, but I've talked about mm. this before, you know, and I love my car dealership that I do business with. But I remember the first yes. time doing business with them – well, not buying the car but taking it in for service and then receiving a survey that took me longer than the interaction that I had with anybody there at the dealership. It drove me crazy, but I still completed yeah. it, and I'll tell you why. Because it gave me incredibly great service. And I went back a second yep. time, six, eight months later for, you know, more maintenance. or But not because the car broke down. It was routine maintenance. Had to take it back in for another oil change. And guess mm-hmm. what? Sent me the same survey. And I, and, <laughs> and I just said, I'm not filling it out. I mean, I got into two, three questions. I realized this is the same thing. And I think I'm not going to take yeah. another 30, 40 minutes to do this. And I think that's cr- crazy too long. But they call that survey fatigue. And part of that is, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we just – it's the time, but also uh, the laborious process of looking at all these questions on a on a screen, and, and it was it was tough. Anyway, so – Yeah, I think it's probably important to, to mention there that, that you obviously had a really good experience, and then after that, you kind of had a bit of a negative experience from the survey. So, in fact, by sending you a bad survey – they actually maybe have slightly damaged your overall experience. So that, that's the danger exactly. of, of a bad survey is it can actually have you know, a negative impact on the experience that it's designed to measure. So um, I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit here because I have a list of, of questions and talking points, but your views on connecting customer and employee feed, feedback. And I would imagine this survey technique is great for employee feedback as well. 
Yeah, so I think it's it's been interesting over the last uh, couple of years. There's been a bit of a growing view that you know a lot of people saying employee experience is actually you know more important than customer experience. I've heard kind of Richard Branson talking about putting employees first. I think you had a guy from the UK on your show, James Dodkins, who's, who's yes. writing a book called "Put Your Customers Second. And so there's a lot of uh, people obviously talking about the importance of that. And I think that you know personally, I'm not sure that it's more important, but it's certainly equally as is important. And I think one of the key things is that. You know, employee engagement and customer experience have often been measured in two totally separate worlds, never connected. And I think if you add in you kind of the, the leadership level and the, the feedback that they might have, and I know when, when we kind of we looked at this customer experience maturity assessment that, that um, you kind of uh, kindly kind of provided some feedback for previously, you actually mentioned about how quite often leadership can have a, a bit of a rosy uh, view of how their customers might perceive them. And I think right. one of the things that, that we're interested in is looking at really the, the connection between those different areas. So really looking at, we kind of call it the, the holy trinity. You know, you, you've got your your leadership level, you've got your employee level, and you've got your customers. And they've all got quite potentially quite different views of how your customer is performing in different areas. So if you can kind of ask related questions from all those three different points and then look at the correlation, look at the gaps, that really starts to give you, you know, your kind of your big picture in terms of where is the gaps about how we view our company, how our employees view our company and how our customers view our company. And you start to see there where there's maybe gaps that you can you can address. So, yeah, there's an interesting correlation there. All right, so this is a big takeaway. Most leaders in companies want to know how customers view their companies. The best companies mm-hmm. want to know more than that. They want to know how their employees view the company. Yeah. And I think there's a huge issue or it, well, it could be an issue if they don't view it well. Uh, I go back to thinking about Herb Kelleher's famous famous line. You know, he was asked who's more important, the, the customers, which are the passengers of Southwest Airlines, when Herb uh, mm-hmm. was one of the co-founders of Southwest Airlines and, and was their first CEO. So what's more important, passengers uh, employees or our shareholders that are investing the money. And when he was asked that question, he called it a uh, – uh, he, he said it was uh, a curmudgeon. No, is that right? Uh, not a curmudgeon. A uh, conundrum. It was a conundrum. Boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He called it the conundrum, a curmudgeon. That's a nasty, mean, salty little – no, no. He, he's a, yeah. a, which he's the opposite <laughs> yeah. of. He's a gregarious, outgoing, let's go have a party and run a company. But his conundrum was um, – what um, what's more important? And he said, I think it's the employee because if we take care of the employee, then the passengers will be happier because the employees will better engage with the passengers. And when the passengers mm-hmm. are happy, they'll fly again. And when they fly again, that makes the shareholders happy, the, you know, the investors. So it's not really a conundrum at all. And that's because, yeah. you know, and, and that, that just proves the point. Think about your employees. Now, put your employees first over your customers you know what? I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you you want to treat your your customers in such a way where they go, you know, I love doing business with them, but you never want to make them feel second or inferior. But at the same time, if you treat your employees and respect them, and uh, you know, I think it goes a long way. Where I think you do truly put your employees first is when a customer abuses the employee verbally, makes them feel bad, insults them, and when leadership steps up and says, you know what, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, we don't like the way you treat our people. We're probably not the best company for you. Move on. I know we're getting way off track here, but let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, 
I want to talk about those seven secrets of successful surveys. We've been talking with Martin Powton of Wizu. My name's Shep Hyken. You already knew that. This is Amazing Business Radio. You knew that too. Don't go away. Shep Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, talking with Martin Powton of Wizu, and I promised the listeners they would hear the seven secrets of successful surveys. By the way, that's hard to say fast five times. Secrets of successful seven secrets. There's four S's in a row. Seven secrets of successful surveys. Okay, let's go ahead. Number one. Yes, I, I apologize. I don't have a fancy acronym for this. I, you know, I tried my best, but I couldn't, couldn't quite couldn't we, one. So, you know, I'm yeah, tired we'll just, of acronyms. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been forced. I, you know, I would have had to really struggle to, to force one. But yeah, I think the first one is really kind of about personalization. So trying to personalize your, your survey, you know, even just basic things like referencing the customer's name or you know their, their order details or making it relevant to their kind of personal experience. Or using, you know, using kind of routing to skip questions that might not be relevant to them, you know, personalizing the follow-ups, just helps make it feel like their, their voice is, is important, like their individual response is important. They're not just being treated like a generic customer. So what you're saying is that based on a response, your system will jump. To, if like you're going through a sequence of 10 questions, it may skip three of them because it realizes it's not relevant to the customer. Yeah, or if a customer happens to mention, you know, we kind of use a hotel scenario. If a customer says something like, I didn't like the food, then let's ask a follow-up question that's relevant to that. You know, what was it you didn't like? You know, why were you unhappy with, with the food? So, it's, again, it's kind of it's asking a question that's relevant to what, they've been, what they're saying. If they're perfectly, you know, happy with certain areas, it might be that you don't need to ask more questions about that. So, it's, it's kind of making sure that your survey follow questions are relevant to, to what the, the respondent is, is giving you so far. Arna, and this is a little bit off of your, your top seven, but I just want to branch off for, your, for just a second. How hard is it to program a system to do that? So it's really about kind of looking at the the most common um, topics that are, that are mentioned. You can, you can go as, as complex or as simple as you want. So it can automatically, if you have no kind of presets, no prompts, then what it'll do is it'll look at the complexity of the response. So if someone says, um, so you know, the question says, what did you like? And they say, the food. Then that isn't a very complex answer. So it then might automatically say, what was it about the food that you like? If someone says, I like the food because it was really tasty and there was a great range, then already you've got enough information there from that answer. So you don't need to kind of then push for more information. So it can kind of automatically, you know, intelligently look at a response and say, actually, I need a bit more information here or I've already got enough. But you can also set it so that if you pick, you know, if you're if you're a hotel owner and you think, right, the most common um, things that people talk about is maybe our room, our food, our, you know, service. So I'll just put in these topics. So if someone mentions one of these, I've got some set kind of follow-up responses or, or questions around that. Um, if they don't mention it, it might be that I want to prompt them to say, you know, what did you think about this area? So you can have, you know, two or three main areas that you might want to discuss. 
you can simply upload those kind of word groups and then the, the survey will automatically kind of build up the conversation from there. All right, great. Let's jump to number two. Yes, I think secondly is about the, the timing. So really, you know, if you want to get kind of good response rates, it's about sending the survey in a time that that makes sense to the customer. Um, you know, if, if, if someone like a, if you took a, an Uber, then obviously they send that short little survey right after uh, you've had the service. That makes sense. If you're placing an order online, then you know you need to wait to get your item delivered. You need to maybe have time to test it. If I order something online and get a survey straight away, or I get a survey three weeks later when I've forgotten about what I bought, right. then you're going to struggle to get the response. Right? You're going to struggle to get a really accurate kind of response from the customer. So getting that timing right is important. So if I were doing something online and you wanted feedback on how easy it was to place the order, that could come literally moments after I I finish and complete my order. But if we're looking for uh, product you know, response, you know, did you like what we sent you or did, you know, that has to do with that. You've got to wait till a day or so after the product arrives. Exactly. Yeah, just think about what makes sense to the customer. If you have a customer service interaction, then it might make sense as soon as you finish that that call, as soon as that kind of case is closed, right, let's straight away while it's fresh in the customer's mind, ask them about how that, that experience went. And that makes sense. You ask them two weeks later, they've forgotten about it. Right. So it's about getting that time. Right. Number three. So number three is, is trying to kind of close the loop. So a lot of times I think respondents feel like they're filling in these surveys and no one's listening or no one cares that you know, the responses are going nowhere. So try to, if possible, within the survey, you know, acknowledge what the customer's actually saying. If possible, you know, take action against it. So one of the things we do with Wizu is we can actually you know, create kind of actions from the feedback. If someone gives you a low score or mentions a particular area of the service they're not happy with, that can automatically you know, trigger an email to go to a certain member of staff to say, this person's not happy, and the bot can tell the customer this is happening, say, look, I'm sorry you're unhappy. I'm going to raise this with you know, Bobbing Finance or whatever it might be. And so you, you're kind of giving them that real-time acknowledgement that, yeah, we, we're listening to you. We know you've got an issue. We're going to do something about it. So it doesn't just feel like they're you know, filling in this form and nothing's happening. They're getting that real-time kind of feedback. Wow. I love that because it, then I would imagine that if you if they if they make a comment and you respond that way, they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to answer the rest of these questions too because exactly. they're yeah. listening. Yeah. They're listening. All right, number yeah. four. So number four is about kind of being concise. I think we kind of mentioned before about the, the length of the survey that you need to really choose your questions carefully. You know, check what you already know. If you've already got the customer's information. Don't be asking them the name or their order details again if you've already got that. And I think it really depends on the you know, the, the context and the, the respondent as well. Quite often, you know, like an NPS example, if you've got one quantitative question that you can track over time, and then maybe just frame a couple of other questions around that, you know, just to get the context, a bit of a deeper understanding. But it really depends, you know, like you mentioned the you know, the Uber scenario, you know they're gonna likely be on a mobile, likely kind of going somewhere. There's no point in asking them 20 questions, whereas if it's a patient at a hospital who's maybe got a bit more time, that that experience is quite a you know a big experience that maybe they're willing to spend a little bit more time. So it, it's really about you know, choosing your questions carefully, asking yourself, will this answer actually give me anything that will help me improve our company's service? 
So it's it's making sure you're not asking questions that just aren't going to be utilised anyway. You'll make sure that every question is important and that you're going to get some, some insight from. All right, so a concise question is good. Do you have, um, uh, and I don't know if we're going to get into 5, 6, and 7 with the length of the survey, but this, this, to me, concise t- ties into that. An NPS question is a one-question survey. Now, many times companies add a second question why did you give us that score? What would it take to, you know, move us up one number? And maybe an open-ended question. Do you have, uh, or is, is five, six, and seven related to length? No, so I think that kind of yeah falls under really about being being concise. Okay, we, good. With, so with our NPS kind of framework, yeah, we're asking the you know the scale rated question, and then it's kind of a case of you know what could we depending on the score that's given, you know what could we do to improve? What did we do that you like? And then again, from that, you can either just collect that or you can then have your kind of preset routes that say, okay, if they mention something, so if they mention that the, you could improve the food, for example, then that's maybe not enough information for you to go away and make a business change from. So in real time, it's looking at that and saying, okay, I need a bit more information from that. So it's going back to the respondent and saying, you know, what was it about the food you didn't like? Can you expand on that? And that's it. You know, you don't need to go into 20 more questions about it. It's just a case of if I've got enough information here to be able to actually make a change. So that's where you know, reading the response in real time, using the AI technology to kind of understand that and, and then kind of ask if you need to ask those relevant follow-up questions. Yep. And typically shorter is better. Yeah, I would say, you, you know, try and make it as short as possible. What we have found is, you know, using conversational surveys, people are actually more willing to spend a longer amount of time doing these surveys, but you know, we would always suggest to, to keep it down to you know, your core questions. Right, right. So, all right, uh, let's go. We're, we're, we want to get to number five here, but I want to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to hit number five, number six, number seven, and even more information. Everybody, this is Amazing Business Radio. We've been talking with Martin Powton at Wizu. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Want to amaze your customers, impress the people you work with, and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com in ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Martin Poutin. All right. I, and I know, right when we, I said, as soon as uh, we took a break, I said, did I just call him Powtown? Okay. It's Powton, P-O-W-T-O-N, sharing uh, with us great insights on surveys. We have hit four, and we've got five, six, and seven. The first one was personalization. The second one was timing, when to send it out. The third is close the loop, let the customer know that you've heard them. Number four is be concise. And number five. Yeah, number five is about trying to make the survey more engaging. You know, there's kind of this view that surveys are boring. They don't, they don't have to be boring. So I think it's important to try and offer some interaction, you know, have a range of question types. So you can use it. You know, your, your survey can be kind of part of your brand experience. So it's important you maintain your brand voice and tone. 
So, you know, for, with Wizu, for example, people can create their own kind of custom bots. You can do things like inserting animated GIFs and images in there. It obviously depends on your audience. It might be you want to make it more formal or informal. But really, you don't have to make the service boring. You try and make it a bit more interactive. Try and make it fun. And then you'll end up getting, obviously, much better completion rates. Give me an example of something fun. I know you said, uh, you know, a GIF or whatever. But what is there something you can say that maybe makes somebody smile? Maybe it's the introduction. Yeah, so you can have, you know, we have kind of... Uh, people who've used their their own personal face as a bot, and then depending on maybe someone will say how are you doing today, and, and if it's a you know a negative response, then there'll be an, an animated gif of that person kind of you know pulling a sad face. You can make it you know a bit cheeky, a bit funny. Uh, you know you can kind of have different reactions depending on how the respondent answers, where you're adding a bit more kind of life and, and interaction to it. So mm-hmm. I think that's obviously one of the big differences that you can really. Um, have these kind of more interesting moments and, and have a bit of fun with it as well. Right. And number six. So number six is about trying to kind of measure emotion. So, you know, we look at things like the net promoter score, the customer satisfaction score, but, you know, emotion is a key part of the customer experience. So it's trying through your surveys to, you know, track the sentiment of the customer or, or trying to define the metrics that, that really kind of measure the critical kind of emotions and experiences that have the biggest impact. So it's it's trying to, you know, go beyond just collecting a metric and trying to understand how the, the customers feel. And I think that happens through having, you know, more conversations. We've got certain question types that where people can choose from a range of different emotions that are, you know, mapped to a kind of a, a project's wheel of emotion. So it, it's about really, yeah, going beyond those metrics and trying to understand how your customers actually felt. Great. Give me an example of a question that would uh, give you insight to emotion. So it might be that, and this can sometimes be used. So we have occasions where clients will use surveys at different points in the customer journey, and it's just a case of, you know, at, at this stage, what are the what are the biggest emotions that you feel at this stage, or how did you feel um, when you finished this part of the experience? And what they'll do is they'll have a range of kind of emotions where they can pick one or two different emotions. And quite often what that'll do is that, you know, depending on the different emotions that they select, that will actually tell you a kind of maybe a, a derived emotion, an emotion that they maybe didn't even realize they were they were feeling. And it, what that helps you do is actually pinpoint parts of your customer journey that had, you know, real kind of positive or negative peaks. Um, so it really helps you to, to see where are the points in your customer journey that are having the biggest, you know, positive or negative impacts. Right. Wow. Wow. And finally, number seven. So number seven is really utilizing AI to kind of improve your surveys. And that can be done for a lot of different ways. And I, I, there's a lot of excitement around AI, but from our point of view, it's really a case of not just using AI for the sake of it, but using it to actually improve the experience. So using it to, for example, kind of rooting by sentiment. So again, it's analyzing an, an open text response in real time to say, right, what is the, what is the customer talking about? Are they being positive or negative? And depending on that, Let's ask some different follow-up questions around that. But it also comes into the reporting side. So a lot of this is talking about, you know, the the actual front end, the survey experience for the respondent. We've also got to look at the, you know, the, the after the event and, and the insight that the companies are getting. That's where the AI using the text analytics to say, right, you've had 10,000 responses and all these different open text responses. We'll automatically do some data analysis that says, right, here's the biggest negative issues that your customers have. Here's the biggest positive that these are the most common things people are talking about so it's using that ai to do some of that data analysis for you you know and whenever i i 
I, I'm big into AI. I've been writing about it. I go to conferences about it. Uh, next week, I'm going to a conference about AI. Just two weeks ago yeah. was at the IBM Think Conference, which is all about Watson and AI. I don't understand how it works. I'm not a programmer. I don't get it. But it just blows my mind that, that you know, I can make a statement and a computer is going to understand it well enough to continue a conversation with me. So, uh, yeah. and you're baking this into the product. So very cool. All right. We're just about out of time. This has been very, very insightful. Anybody that's interested in doing any type of measuring of and feedback with employees and especially customers, this is, this is solid gold information. Uh, two questions, really. First, I'd like to know from your point of view in three years and five years, where do we see surveys going? So I think I think definitely the the conversational surveys are going to become more and more popular. I think the you know the web the traditional web based survey, if people have got a bit tired of that, and I think it's it's about making it more conversational, more interactive. I think it's it's trying to go beyond just collecting metrics and trying to discover more about you know individual customer stories and experiences. Well, wow. I think I, that AI yeah. will obviously. And I bet AI can also ask a question beyond the survey, like, you know, is there a particular product you'd like us to consider bringing on or like us to consider manufacturing or, you know, uh, is there a different color? I mean, you can find out a lot of information. Uh, and AI Yeah, exactly. Can... Yeah. So, you know, some, sometimes people will, you know, use, um, you know, our, our kind of survey platform also allows people to obviously do market research, also to answer kind of customer queries as well. But, yeah, the AI can be used for a whole wide range and it's also then just being able to kind of within the conversation decide whether it should ask you know more follow-up questions is there areas that the, the respondent hasn't mentioned that it would be useful to know so it's kind of you know about automating that part of it but also automating the actions from that into the customer into the cust- the company kind of setup as well so it's taking those responses and start to automate that into you know using and integrate with your CRM using your text analytics, you know, closing the loop. Right. So I think that that's kind of really the, the AI is going to become a big part of that. So uh, the old survey, the web-based survey, the you know, uh, page after page of questions on a scale of one to ten, disappearing, and I'm glad they are. All right, the final <laughs> question. Uh, I always call it the one thing question. This is the one thing you want us to remember of something you've already shared, or is there some other tip or takeaway you'd like us to have? I call it the lightning round, but it's really only one question, one round, ready, set, go. Yeah, I think the one point I'd kind of like to make is about trying to treat your respondents as, as customers, but also to remember that every customer is actually a person. So, you know, be respectful with their time. I think if you're going to send a survey out, have a look at it. You know, are you proud to send that survey out? Is that a good representation of your your company? And if you were a customer receiving that, you know, what would your view be on it. You know, the survey quite often is the last tool that you've got to affect customer loyalty. And you know, if you look at kind of the you know the peak end rule, where obviously people remember the experience by how they felt at the most intense moment and at the end of the experience. And sometimes you can't control the peak, but you can control the end of the you know the experience by sending a good survey. You know, delivering a good survey experience, and that can lead to you know better customer loyalty. So I think it's just about remembering that these respondents are are people and that their time and feedback is important bingo spot on 
And I think it's so important to, number one, it, it's a great follow-up piece to somebody that's bought. It confirms, and, and it, it sounds to me like your product not only confirms uh, in the form of, hey, we, we're acknowledging your customer, we want your feedback, but it also can add confidence and create trust as uh, the feedback and the responses that the customer gives you know, you mentioned closing the loop, which is your number three of your seven tips here of the seven secrets. Uh, closing the loop allows that customer to feel like I'm being heard. Now, I'll say one extra. Uh, I guess we just recently had Joey Coleman on the show. Joey Coleman talks about the first 100 days that happen after the sale. This is a crucial piece of part of that 100 days after a sale to confirm to the customer that they made the right decision to do business with you. They really do want to let you know what they feel. And they, if you can do it in a way that engages them and makes them want to participate and give you the feedback, even better. Make them feel like they're being heard even better than that. So it gets better and better. And it's part of the uh, a yeah. confirmation that makes the customer feel great. And what a great show. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your insights and information. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, enjoy that. Thanks a lot. So, Martin, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio, because you were amazing today and you shared with us seven secrets and a whole lot more. Anybody interested in doing surveys, listen to this. Listen to it twice. Consider picking up the phone or going to uh, – how do you read? Wizu dot what? W-I-Z-U. Yep, there you go. And now you know how to reach them. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another great show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week for another episode. In the meantime, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.